Welcome to church, everybody. My name is Pastor Joe Marlin, and I am, I'm glad you're here. And I pray that together we would be family, disciples, worshipers. Amen. Um, and, and as you've heard, um, either through the announcement we sent by text to everybody or online or Brother Chris, our minister in training, just said this will be our last in-person gathering on Sunday. And... Um, I remember saying, and I still believe this is true, I remember saying last spring, you remember that? When, when the pandemic was just getting going and everything really locked down, and I said spiritually the worst thing about this season spiritually is that if you're going to have any spirituality, you've got to take all the initiative. Right? Because you can't ride on anyone else's energy. You, 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 no one's like missing you in the pew and calling you up and saying, where you been? But I also said, the very best thing about this season is that if you're going to have any spiritual life, it's going to be because you took the initiative. God wants to take us up to the mountain again and speak to us in a way that he can't speak to us in any other way and he's calling on you he's calling on you to take the initiative and we want to help as a church family to do that but you have to respond which is always true as, as Val always likes to talk about we have this terrible and wonderful gift called free will <laughs> and it's always true but but there's a little bit of an extra explanation point underlined on it in these days. And so this coming weekend, next Sunday, um, we will be bringing those Jesse trees with scripture for you to, to read with your kids, you know, however you do it, before dinner, after dinner, before bed. Um, that's another thing. If you're used to bring your kids to be taught in church. Now there's another level of responsibility to do that with your kids this winter. Amen? And we're going to give you resources, and we're going to give you tools, and we're going to walk as a family together so you aren't alone, but it's not the same, is it? And so we need to take, we need to take initiative. So... That's my encouragement to you is that you know I was telling some people this it's God has given us this crazy equation where he has given us a lot of goodwill in the community blessed us with the opportunity to feed so many families for a very long time, blessed us with opportunities to take care of children through huge camps and do all these things. And he's sown all this goodwill in the community. On top of that, already this season has been one where we've been able to like dig in and pour into leaders like we never have in the past. 
And so when you add all the goodwill God has given us in this town, and you add all the life change and all the discipleship and all of the, the foundation that's being laid as people are being trained and people are more committed and God's sending more workers, I believe, I believe that if we are faithful, which is the, that's the book we're in, right? Hebrews. What's the title of this series? It's faithful. And I really believe that if we are faithful, if we are faithful and we keep growing and we don't get sucked into the black hole and we keep showing up in small groups and praying and getting trained and we, 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 we persevere, I believe that as we get to the spot where the clouds begin to break and where people start to feel comfortable coming out and people start to feel comfortable and people going back to work and all of that's happening, I believe there will be a harvest in Gloucester City. I believe there will be a harvest. And I mean that with complete love, not in some cringy way, like God wants a harvest. He wants people to come to know him. He wants to grow his church. He wants to grow us in depth and health, but also he wants us to meet and bring in our neighbors and our family and our friends. So let me pray for us as we get into this word, as we continue this series on being faithful. Father God, help us. Show us how to be faithful in these times. Lord, that's what we're doing. We are trying to be faithful to you, and that's why we're making all the decisions we're making, God. We really want to be faithful. We want to be wise. We, we, we want to be loving. We want to look out for each other. So, Lord, I just pray, Father, that you would help us to be faithful in our own spiritual lives. God, may this winter be the winter we read your word like never before. May this winter be the winter that we talked with our kids about you like we never did before and we prayed for them and we didn't put we didn't put in some awkward like like we're gonna pretend we're perfect stuff but we just brought it up and we just in love and humility just offered to pray for our kids oh god open up this word to us as we open it up and read it we read this word, Lord, would you read our souls? Would your ministry of conviction be alive and well through all who hear this word tonight? In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Let me read for your hearing from Hebrews 4. Therefore, since the promise to enter his rest remains, let us beware that none of you be found fallen short. For we also have received the good news just as they did, but the message they heard did not benefit them since they were not united with those who heard it in faith. For we who have believed enter the rest in keeping with what he said. So I swore in my anger, they will not enter my rest. Even though his works have been finished since the foundation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in this way, 
And on the seventh day, God rested from all his works. Again, in that passage, he says, they will never enter my rest. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, and those who are formerly received the good news did not enter it because of disobedience, he again specifies a certain day today. He specified this speaking through David after such a long time. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. Therefore, a Sabbath rest remains for God's people. For the person who entered his rest has rested from his own works, just as God did from his. Let us then make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall short through the same pattern of disobedience. For the word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Anybody ever experienced that? I have. No creature is hidden from him, but all these things are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Therefore, since we have such a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus Christ, let us hold to our confession. This is the word of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord for you. It's the word of the Lord for me. And I just want to remind you, and Thursday night we were talking all about how to read the Bible, right? We were talking about this method we called SOAP, and you start and you write out the scripture slowly, you think about the scripture, then you write out what you observe, and then you look at the application. S, scripture, O, observation, A, application, and then you write out your prayer. So we're going to do that. We're going to do that tonight. We're going to look at what this passage says. But what I reminded you of is that it's very easy to take a passage out of context. And one of the best things that you can do is just simply read a little before the passage so you don't get into trouble. And last week, our brother Chris preached a great message. And he began to break the ground and began to show us what the context of this passage is. That we have to enter into God's rest. But there's some broken part of us. There's some broken part of our souls where we want to go back to Egypt. Somebody say amen. Like we're in the wilderness and it's hard because we're not in heaven yet. Uh, all of our life's problems aren't fixed yet. And we maybe made some steps out of Egypt and we said no to some things. We said, no, we're not going to do this and that. We're going to stop doing the other thing. We're going to stop hanging out with those people. And we're trying to live the life that God has called us to live but we're in the wilderness, and frankly, it sucks, right? And so there's a broken part of us that wants to go back to bondage. 
the broken part of us that wants to go back to Egypt. And we say and think things like, you know, well, if I wasn't there that night, then I, I wouldn't have gotten hit. <laughs> if, I, if I had cleaned the things up in my house, you know, she wouldn't have picked it up and thrown it at me, right? Like, like we begin to, we begin to like, like, we, we, we begin to like make friends with things that we should not be friendly with. Just like God's people, God's children, the Israelites, they're, they're sitting, wandering around with Moses in the desert. God is taking care of all their needs and, and they're thinking about, well, you know, yes, it was degrading and we'd get whipped and we had no freedom and we couldn't worship God, but we got watermelon, right? We got, we, we, we had our staple, we got our staple of food every day. And, and there's this thing that happens in us where when we've lived in bondage for so long to sin, to toxic situations, to addiction, to all kinds of things, we become institutionalized like a person that spent 30 years in prison and then they come out and they don't know how to function in the free world out on the streets anymore. And, and, and that's what happens to us. We, we begin to, to, to love that bondage and we want to go back to it because it's something that we're familiar with and we know how to navigate. But God wants to set you free. He wants to break you out of bondage and he wants to bring you into his rest. And that's what I want to talk to you about tonight. He wants to bring you into his rest. And we see in this passage, we see in verse 3, that we enter into rest through Christ. Who gives us rest? Jesus. Right? And it's really interesting because it says, we have entered. Amen? We have entered into rest. Like if you know Jesus, you have peace. Not just you will have peace, but you have peace right now. But then we see in verse 7, we see that some, through disobedience, don't have that peace. And now all of a sudden, the author of Hebrews is acting like it's a community project that all of us would find our peace in Jesus. Not just for ourselves, but for each other. So we need to care about each other's souls. And I want to care about your soul tonight. Because the author of Hebrews is talking to Jewish Christians. And yet at the same time, he's saying some of you have found peace in Jesus, but some of you haven't yet. And we might scratch our heads and be like, well, if they're in church and they're like hearing Paul's letter being, or, or whoever wrote the letter being written to, read to them, and there's persecution, <laughs> so it's not like easy, low-hanging fruit. It's not like a, like a fun time to go hang out with these Christians when they're taking their property, you know what I mean? They're, 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 they're shutting down their businesses, they're persecuting them. And we might think, like, how could any of them not yet know the peace of God through Jesus? 
But when we're honest with ourselves, we know that we can be in church but miss the peace that Jesus offers. And then we see in this passage, Paul quotes the Old Testament. He says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. And I just want to encourage you tonight to not harden your heart. Because what I'm saying, you know, I got, um, I got a mug from a neighbor as a gift, funny gift. And it says, says on it, yes, you're a pastor. And yes, this sermon is about you. Um, yeah, I'm not the type of preacher that pretends to just preach the Bible, and if it happens to, <laughs> happens to relate to you, like, I don't know how that happened. <laughs> no. You know, preaching is pastoral. It's, it's meant to be aimed at this flock who I care about. Amen? Who I care about and who I want to see enter into the peace of Jesus. And I want you to hear tonight, today, do not harden your heart. Today is a good day to come to Jesus. In fact, there's never a bad day to get saved, amen? There's never a bad day to go from being backslidden and not living in the joy and peace of Jesus and tapping out and saying, I'm done doing that. I want Jesus back in my life. And, and this is what I want to say to you as someone who knows you and someone who lives right in the community with you, I want you to know this, that some of you, by the fruit of your life, you're like living like a hamster in a hamster wheel, and you're trying to go so hard for fixing your life, and all God wants to do is just to be a part of your life and to give you the gift of his peace and his rest. Do you hear what I'm saying? When we say that we rest in Jesus, when we say there is rest in Jesus, what that means is you no longer have to work to be saved. You no longer have to be on that hamster wheel of trying to fix your life. That's what the whole gospel is about. Jesus hung on the cross and he bled and he died and he lived a perfect life and he did all the work. He did it because he loves you. And I want you to hear, don't, don't harden your heart. Don't say, i got to be worthy of that sacrifice. Nobody is worthy of that sacrifice. You can't earn the grace of God, or it wouldn't be grace. Nobody who is forgiven deserves to be forgiven. Or it's not forgiveness. It's just like, I'm cool, we're cool, it's all right. God does not look at your sin and just say, it's all right. He sent his son to die. That you could be loved, not just like that cool, like, like distant, all right, I, I, let's just get past this. No, God loves you. He, he loves you. And if you are in Jesus, every sin that you ever committed, every sin that you are committing, and every sin that you ever will commit is washed in the blood of Jesus, and you're forgiven. 
Now, what about like, but I want to do something. Listen, when you know that you have rest, when you stand in the rest, in the shalom, in the wholeness, in the presence of God, there's not going to be an issue of whether you try to come and be at prayer, whether you try to watch church online, whether you're in the word trying to, there's no question of that because God has changed the intention of your heart. Remember, the word of God is a double-edged sword. It's able to reveal the intentions of your heart. So when you move from a position of, I just want to make the, the, the people at the church or whatever, or I want to make the pastor, or I want to make God notice me. You haven't yet experienced the rest of Jesus. And I say, get off the hamster wheel of trying to be good enough. And when you do that, your life will change. And yeah, you will, you'll show up, you'll serve out of a spot of joy, out of a spot of freedom. God just wants to be in your life. Do you understand that? Like that's hard for us to wrap our minds around because we are screwed up. And there's a lot of people, even our own family, that like doesn't want to be in our life. And so we begin to think, how could God want to be in our life? But that's how it's always been from the beginning when God made Adam and Eve. And the whole entire point of the Bible is men and women keep trying to run away from God, keep trying to do life their own way, and God just keeps pursuing them. Like we sang, his reckless love. There's no mountain he won't climb up. There's no valley he won't light up. Coming, searching after you. Amen? But we see that while in Jesus, verse 3, right? We see that some have rest in Jesus. Now, there's another word for rest, and we see it in verse 9, where it says in 4, 9, there yet remains a rest for God's people. So how can we have rest and still have more to come? <laughs> well, the word there is a completely different word for rest in the original. And what we see in the Greek here is um, sabatimos, the only time in the New Testament we see this word. And this goes back to this idea from the Old Testament of Sabbath rest. So while the author of Hebrews has been talking about the Sabbath the whole time, and he's been talking about how we have rest in Jesus, now he's saying there's this other rest that still remains for the people of God, that still is out there for us. And what does God do? What's God's pattern? We, we're reminded in this passage, and you probably have heard this before, right? There's this pattern God works, God puts his work week in, and then he rests. And like children, like parent, he wants you to work, and he wants you to rest. 
and in a lot of ways, this life, this, this life is day six. And we are waiting for day seven. We are still waiting for the perfect rest. We are remembering, like we gather together or we take a day off. What are we doing when we do that? When we refresh ourselves and we, we t put pause and we try to rejuvenate ourselves. What are we doing with this? We are imitating God because God himself, who has no limit to his power and never needed a nap, took one anyway because it's good. And some of us are acting like we can't stop. We got to keep turning the wheels. We got to keep trying. And God wants you to know you need to stop. You need to take a break. Jesus, the Son of God, took naps. Jesus, the Son of God, who was surrounded by the crowds, ran away to get a break so he could breathe. Sometimes he would go out on boats to the other side. Sometimes he'd climb up these little hills that you had to take a couple hours just to get away from people. There's nothing wrong with that. There remains a rest for the people of God. So I want to look at this passage, and like we talked about on, on, on Thursday night, and we'll, we'll put out a, a couple clips. I'm going to redo it um, to make it a little easier to watch, and um, just like 10-minute clips of how to, how to do this. And I'll give, give, give you guys some things to do while we are in this winter season. Um, but after Scripture, after observation... What's the next one for soap? What's A stand for? Application. So application is always great. Like you read the word and you try to like see some things and we notice some things. But, but like, like I said, we could spend, oh, I don't know if I said it, but we could spend months just on this chapter. We, we just hit here, hit here, hit here. But there's so, so much in this passage. But what's the application? The application is like, so what? Okay, God wants to be in our lives. He doesn't want, he, like, we know we can't earn or work for our salvation. He has accomplished it for us. So what? Um, so I want to try to break it down to some application, some practical things. <sighs> this is a true confession. I used to hate like, loathe the term self-care. <laughs> like, it just used to, man, it just used to rub me the wrong way. And every time I hear the word self-care, you know what I would think of? Like, like, we were missionaries in uh, Rwanda, and we, my wife worked with, with uh, vulnerable women, women who uh, given to prostitution and, and selling things on the streets and whatever they could to survive. And uh, my wife would help these women to, to learn some skills, work with their hands, have, be able to send their kids to school, pay for their rent in dignity. And they also would sing and meet together and study the word of God. Um, and they, they would like, get to know that Jesus doesn't look at them like the world looks at them. And there'd be this, these, these women would come... Um, 
from overseas, Europe, America, and you know, it'd be fun to go down there and look through the jewelry they made, and maybe they would go the extra mile and they'd go actually have a meal in some lady's house where there's a dirt floor and it's rough and it's one room. And then afterwards, they would go and get manicures and pedicures and go to the spa because it was so stressful. And so you can see why, <laughs> I don't know if you're on the same wavelength with me, but I just, well, what is that? You know what I'm saying? Like, what is that? Sometimes this, this self-care thing is like a monster. It's, it's chocolates and it's spa and it's, you know, if you, uh, um, what, what's the, I can't think of the sitcom, Treat Yourself, what's that from? Uh, Parks and Rec, you know what I mean? It's like, you know what I mean? Just spend on you, just spend on you. And is there anything less like God-shaped than that? <laughs> Amen? But, but this is what I've learned. That, um, but underneath of that obvious goofiness, I now know that a symptom of really hating the idea of self-care comes from an ungodly sense of self-sufficiency and self-righteousness. Like, yes, we can go too far, idolize ourselves, waste our lives away, waste our money. But a symptom of just hating self-care, thinking that's not for me, is that we think we're sufficient in ourselves and we're self-righteous. And self-righteousness needs to die and you need to give yourself permission to take a break. Your self-righteousness and your self-sufficiency need to die and you need to give yourself a break. Amen? And, and you need to take care of yourself, and you need to do things that rejuvenate you. And it may be sometimes chocolate and spas and manicures and pedicures, but it also might look like yard work. It might look like playing video games with your kids. It might look like a million things. But God wants you to be a healthy person, and it's not just grind, grind, grind to fix your life, because you can't fix your life that way. God can come into your life, but he's not going to come into your life on your terms where you're the hero of your own salvation. So you just need to chill out, people. You need to chill out and let God work in you. Do you hear me? You need to chill out and you need to let God love you. Let God lead you. Let God walk with you. I pray that our church would recognize that it is not God's will for you to be miserable and for you to walk around with a weight around your neck. I pray that you would know and recognize that you will not last if you do not obey God's commands. And here's the funny thing about Christians. You know, we prayed through Monday morning. We have a prayer meeting at 6 a.m. 
these smaller gatherings are not shut down, and you're welcome to come. And every Monday morning, we are in here praying at 6 a.m., and last Monday, we prayed through the Ten Commandments. And when we got to the Fourth Commandment, which is to remember the Sabbath, it's, it's, it hit me again that as Christians sometimes, we would never brag about just violating any other command. I mean, we do it, right? We do it, but we wouldn't brag about it. We, we wouldn't brag about, like Jesus says, if you hate someone in your heart, you've committed murder. So, like, we can be jealous, we can be hateful, we, we, we can say all kinds of stuff, and, and we're not, like, proud of it, or we shouldn't be proud of it. We can cast our eyes on somebody, another man, another woman, and want to have them, and they're not for us to have. And we shouldn't brag about that. And a lot of times, if we call ourselves Christians, we don't. But we do tend to just sort of throw it around, like, when's the last time you had off? Well, man, I haven't had off in months. And remember the Sabbath is one of the big ten for God. Like, he wants you to rest. Now, it looks different for everybody. And in different times of church history, and it looks different for you than me. See, because, like, think about other commands where that's true. Honor your mother and your father. Now, it means something different in different cultures in different families, but you better figure out how to do it, amen? And you better figure out how to rest, and you better figure out how to rest in Jesus because it's not your works that are going to fix you. You know, we say, uh, you know, I'm, I, I remember mo' money, mo' problems is like really old. But uh, there is a truth that the more responsibility you have, the more power you have, the more influence, the more money, the more stressed you are, right? The more you have on your plate. But at the center of the universe, where all power, all influence, all resources are at his disposal, at the center of the universe, I need you to know what this passage tells us and teaches us is that God is at perfect rest. God is not freaking out about this election. He's not freaking out about COVID. He's not having a panic attack about your life. He's not intimidated by the mess of your kids. He's not scared about this one's addicted to this. This one has, you know, these mental health problems. These people don't have their light bill. God is both good and he's not anxious. Like God loves you and he cares and he's not distant, but he's not anxious. He's at perfect rest. That's the God that we worship and he wants it to be like children, like father. And so we work and we do what we can with the six days God gives us. And then on the seventh day we stop because we know that it is not in our own power to make everything happen and to fix everything. You can't fix your family. You can't fix your own screwed up head and your own screwed up heart. But God can. And so I want to encourage you. I want to invite you to stop trying. Stop being on that hamster wheel. 
You are going hard, but you're not going anywhere. <laughs> and I know, I know some of you feel that way. I know I've felt that way, and I know I still feel that way often. And I need to remember, I need to go back to this truth. That I have rest now in Jesus, and there is a greater rest that still remains. And that is so encouraging, because God is already there. And we are just catching up with him. And one day, our eyes will close in this life. And all the miserable stuff we've been through will be unimaginably worth it. All the pain we feel. All the ways we've been betrayed. All the ways we've been disappointed. None of it will matter. He himself will wipe away the tears from our face. He will give us a hug that will fix everything that's broken in us. He will love us. He will take us under his wing. And he will bring perfect Sabbath, perfect rest. And that's what we believe as Christians. When we are united in Jesus, he forgives our sins. He gives us peace now. But one day in our souls, one day in new resurrected bodies that don't feel any pain, one day we will have perfect Amen. Let me pray for us. Father God, I thank you for your word. God, we thank you that you are at peace. And yet your word says, strive to enter into your peace. Your word says, see to it that no one misses this peace. And so I pray, Lord, that we would have an urgency for ourselves and for our brothers and sisters, that we would see and lovingly point each other like Stop living in the old bondage. Stop living under all this false guilt. Stop trying to run on that hamster wheel. Stop trying to be something valuable, be something important, like by fixing things yourself. And just let go and surrender. God, I pray for those in this room, Lord, that they would hear this word, did not harden their hearts, but today is the day of salvation. Oh, Lord, I pray for those who are listening and watching now and who will listen maybe days and weeks from now online. I just pray, Father, that right now, God, that they would let the walls fall down around their hearts and they would just experience and receive your love for them. They want to fix their life. It'll never happen. But you just want to hold our hand and be in our life and you want to bring us rest, and you want to bring us a measure of that rest right now, but, oh, Lord, we know that one day we will live in that rest perfectly. We'll be in that peace. Lord, I just pray, God, that you would save somebody, that you would take somebody who's been backslidden, somebody who has just let the, the trials of life make their heart get harder and they used to feel like their feet didn't hit the ground when they came to church they used to feel your love they used to feel your spirit and they've forgotten what that feels like I just pray Lord Jesus that you'd set them free that you would bring them into your rest that they would stop trying in their flesh. They would stop 
trying to clean it all up. They would stop trying to impress you or anybody else. And they would just come like they are, like the raggedy mess they are. And they would just come to the altar and they would just let you minister to them, let you hug them, let you serve them, let you begin to fix and clean up their life. And I pray all these things.